1: They're just completely ripping off consumers. People are so ashamed to complain about exercising their legal rights or even phoning up their credit card company that the, they know that they can rip off consumers. But it's actually the biggest area that we see as growing in terms of
0: grievances. Hello and welcome to Danny in the Valley, your weekly dispatch from behind the scenes and inside the minds of the top people in tech. I am your host. Danny Fortson, the West Coast correspondent for the Sunday Times, coming to you live from the hellscape that is California. I'm sure most of you have seen the pictures and videos of what is happening out here, uh, which is the worst fire season on record. Tens of thousands of people have lost homes. Three million acres have been burned. And here in the Bay Area, we are nearly a month into breathing hazardous air. So much so that preschools and nurseries and a lot of businesses that Had opened up relying on outdoor seating due to COVID, have been forced to close again as if 2020 couldn't get any worse. And I gotta say, while being completely, well, completely recognizing that we are very lucky in terms of, well, we're healthy, employed, and still have a house. And this year is getting pretty exhausting. I don't know if you guys feel that way. It's like just being stalked just by this constant stress and anxiety, some of it high level, some low level, but it's just kind of unrelenting. But doing this pod has actually been helpful for me and hopefully enjoyable for you because it allows me to just focus on something else to kind of dive into somebody else's world and really understand and help illuminate what they're up to and why it's important. Which leads me to this week's guest, who is a return character here on Danny in the Valley. His name is Josh Browder. He's a 23-year-old British coder who, for those of you who have been longtime listeners of the show, he was on on an episode way back in January 2019, so almost two years ago. And Browder is the founder of Do Not Pay, which is this robot lawyer that helps you fight parking tickets and other dodgy fees from credit card companies and airlines and all kinds of other stuff. Anyhow, when we last met, Josh was still a student at Stanford, juggling classes and his startup. And suffice it to say, things have moved on since then. He's raised a good-sized round from Silicon Valley investors. He started his own investment fund, investing in other entrepreneurs and startups. He's launched a bunch of different products on Do Not Pay to help people get money back from companies and governments. And he's also realized, as you'll soon see, that having a business model is kind of important because before he didn't really have one. But anyway, it's a fascinating company and Browder is full of knowledge on all the little tricks that are being played on us to separate us from our money both by governments and by companies it's really kind of illuminating i think this one will uh do you some good so without further ado here is my catch up with josh browder founder of do not pay almost two years on from his first appearance to talk about what he's up to now what's changed what he's learned operating in covid and why unlike it seems like everyone else these days he is not leaving the bay area Enjoy. I think the first time we talked was, I think it was maybe 2018. And then obviously a lot has happened since then. You were on the podcast, I believe it was January of 2019. So since then you've graduated, you've raised a bunch of money, etc. But why don't you just bring us up to speed on where you have got to with Do Not Pay and perhaps just a very brief history of kind of how this started and where you are today. And then we can kind of get into some more of the nitty gritty.
1: Sure. So I think when we spoke, do not pay only worked in maybe five or six different areas. And we were adding new ones at the time. Now do not pay works in over a 100 different areas from things like getting government benefits, such as claiming unemployment, DMV paperwork, suing your landlord, getting refunds. So over the past, kind of five years now, I've been building out Do Not Pay. And just in time, when the pandemic began, um, we saw our demand skyrocket. Because unfortunately, what we're seeing on our our end is that a lot of these big companies are using consumers as a lifeline, refusing to Mm. refund people and all of this stuff. And so Do Not Pay was growing and doing well before the pandemic. But when the pandemic began, that's when our demand went up by almost 10 times. And so as a small team of 10, we've just been trying to deal with that demand and build new products to help people in these crazy times.
0: Specifically about the pandemic, is there, are there any areas where either you were already had a product where all of a sudden it was like, oh my goodness, this is just overwhelming with the new demand or new areas where we're like, we have to build something to deal with X. So it's,
1: it's a combination of both. I would say it's three main areas. The first is unemployment insurance. Some states built on software from the 1960s and it's mm. unusable. And so we've built a system to automate filing for unemployment in most states. The second is landlord issues. So um, there are all these loopholes around uh, not being evicted at the moment, uh, which is really important because it's almost a health risk if you have people homeless being on the streets. And then the final thing is our existing product base of customer service. For example, uh, when United cancels your flight, they've said to a lot of customers, we'll give you travel credit, hope you like it, and not a cash refund. And that's actually illegal. So getting refunds from gyms and airlines, and all of the other businesses.
0: Is that illegal? Because I feel like we had to cancel something like three different flights. And now we have like, hundreds of dollars, that is ours, that is basically being held by the different airlines that we booked travel with. And we're just like, and they're like, yeah, as long as you use it within a year, it's yours. But it just seemed odd to me that They were like, oh, yeah, you know, we're going to hold on to this money until you can use our airline again.
1: I think this is a big problem in general with the law. People don't know their rights. And so, yes, you can definitely demand a cash refund if they cancel your flight and they don't give you what they promised.
0: Oh, interesting. What if I cancel the flight because of COVID? Before, you know, the lockdowns really happened and it was kind of in this gray period where a lot of things started to get canceled and it was more of a judgment call, but clearly the pandemic was happening and shutting things down. I feel like a lot of things got canceled in that period where things things weren't quite official yet, but everybody was starting to make decisions based on, well, this looks like this is not a good idea. I'm going to cancel this.
1: If you canceled it yourself, then they can give you credit. But if they change the flight time by even a minute before you canceled, you can get a cash refund. And um, that's what they're doing to consumers. That's the perfect example. They make everyone worried. So they phone them up asking to cancel. And that's how they get out of refunding people.
0: Oh, interesting. So like I said, a lot has happened since since you were last on the pod, which again was 18 months ago, almost two years ago. Principally, you have a team now, as you say, you have 10 people. You raised, uh, was it $12 million? Is that right?
1: Yes, but I think I was on the podcast so long ago that we've actually been through two rounds. So we've raised 3.5 3 3. <laughs> after the
0: podcast and then another 12. Okay, so $15 million. That's right. Wow. And how was that? Because I remember when we spoke in the early days and it was like, this is going to always be free. You had a very kind of public service mission how do you sell that or how do you have to kind of change things in order to actually get the money to grow? Yeah. So, um, you can hold me to my mistake in
1: saying that it would always be free because it's not free. It actually costs $3 a month now and you can access yeah. all of our services. You keep a hundred percent of what you save. And also there are no ads. There are no, we're not trying to sell you a credit card in the app, like some other financial service tools, which are free. And, um, that $3 a month, although it's very uh, inexpensive for an individual, it adds up. So we have yeah. um, over 75,000 paying subscribers now, and it's growing every day.
0: Can you just talk about that process of going from, I mean, you're still super young. Uh, what are you, 23, 24 now, 23? I'm 23, but I started to do not pay when I was 17, so I'm getting old. Exactly. You're such an old person now. Um, but just that, that kind of letting go of some of those kind of idealistic principles was that difficult or was that as you started talking to investors was it more of a natural evolution we like actually if we charge something for this we can do more with it and reach more people like how how did that transformation happen and how was it for you interestingly a lot of the investors actually say it should be free because there are a lot of companies that are free
1: that make a lot of money Mm. i think the reason i was so intent on it being free was uh, because i didn't really understand business models and if if the customer is not paying for the product the saying goes that they are the product and do not pay's mission is to fight these large companies and beat this government bureaucracy and surveillance. And we actually help people like delete their data from data brokers. And so to sell consumers data or to advertise with highly targeted advertising would we'll just go against everything that we've done. Right. So I think that as long, at least the consumer is paying us so we're on the same side.
0: Right. So it's more of a kind of a, your interests are more directly aligned. It's not like, well, we'll give you this for free, but there's this other side deal, this kind of unspoken side deal. Um, which is obviously how a lot of these other businesses work. Is that the idea?
1: Yes. And to be honest, I mean, $3 a month for a parking ticket and everything else, it's like 20 times less expensive than the alternative. So it's still a lot cheaper.
0: Well, I will say I thought of you, which is initially why I got back in touch. I went jogging two months ago on a road up in the hills in Oakland and I parked on the side of the road along with about 20 other cars. Um, And I came back to a parking ticket and I came on to Do Not Pay. I downloaded Do Not Pay and then I was like, oh, I have to pay for this. That's interesting. And then even more interesting, it worked. It worked. You got out of your ticket. Yeah. I I did. So it was a $75 ticket and I you know, uploaded the photos and the, you wrote the letter and sent it off to the authorities. And then I got a letter in the mail two weeks later from Oakland Parking. And I was like, it was kind of like the big reveal. is this Will this have worked with me basically just taking a couple of pictures and using your app? And it worked. They said your ticket has been dismissed.
1: I think, uh, you know, as a journalist, it's always hard to tell if the products you're covering are legit. But that's the totally. more proof than anything else.
0: Yeah, and there's a lot of, as you well know, there's a lot of bullshit artists out here. So it was actually, it was, it was quite, uh, I have to say, it was, it was heartening to see that this thing actually worked. Kudos to you. And uh, it was great for me because instead of 75 bucks, I paid 36 to you and uh, didn't get fleeced by the city, which, you know, they had these signs, but they were kind of overgrown with trees. Nobody could see them clearly because everybody was parking there. But it was, uh, it was an interesting um, validation.
1: Well, we're trying our best here.
0: That is where you started, right? Parking tickets back when you were living in London. Because you used to get lots of parking tickets, so you built this bot to kind of fight them. So now you have 100 different areas. That feels like a lot. How do you figure out where you want to go or what you want to go for?
1: We only target problems that impact over, I would say, 50 million people. So things that are truly mass market ripoffs offs like gym cancellations, these airlines, parking tickets we've got something new coming up that helps uh, small businesses and freelancers. So it has to impact more than 50 million people. It has to be something we can fully automate. So we didn't have an army of people typing out your letter. It's fully automated letter. Yeah. So those are the two main things.
0: Because a lot of this is, as you say, it's automated. How has the evolution of just technology and what you can do with it, I don't know if this is what you would call AI, which is, you know, in a way, kind of a meaningless term, but what is the kind of technology stack and its evolution? How, what has that done to your business as you try to expand into more areas and do it in a scalable, automated way?
1: We've basically built this bot builder um, where you can insert legal codes into these letters. And it's actually the same infrastructure that's used to sue a robocaller or getting out, getting out of a parking ticket. So now that we've built the software, there's actually no coding involved with adding new use cases. We have a lot of engineers who are working on interesting engineering problems, but to actually draft new letters, it's, uh, we've built a platform. And uh, we could almost sell the platform itself. It's so good. It's five years worth of work.
0: So it's a bot to build bots. That's right. So we're in 2020 right now. The world is literally falling apart and burning up before our eyes. But if we cast eyes ahead five years, where would you like to be? what's the kind of the grand plan for Do Not Pay?
1: So we want to be like the general counsel or lawyer sitting on the consumer's shoulder. And what that means is these large companies like Walmart and Apple, they have teams of lawyers every day sitting in conference rooms or on Zoom now, I guess, brainstorming ways how to make the most money for their companies. We want to do the same thing for the individual. And that basically means just expanding to more areas of the law And I might be biased, but I think that everyone in America and everyone in the civilized world, like the UK, will one day use do not pay because this it's a universal problem. We have homeless people using our product and we have really rich VCs using our product. And for some people on the richer end, it's not even about the money. It's about the justice of, of being ripped off. So I think it's really needed. And the government is getting even more complicated right now. I found it interesting in your story that you said two months ago, you got a ticket. You would think in two months ago, the government would be busy doing other things than handing people tickets, but the <laughs> revenue collection never
0: stops. Well, that's it. I mean, it's often, it's very clear that it is a, it's a revenue generation mechanism more than anything else. Yeah. And how was the process? Cause you, you've been out here in the Bay area now, what, four years? Uh,
1: five years now. I came in 2015.
0: Right. And how has been just that process, the evolution of you kind of coming out here with a one person kind of startup slash idea and kind of building a company and finding investors and making the pitch and doing the rounds on Sand Hill Road? What has that process been like? Is there anything where you're like, "Ooh, I didn't realize I need to learn how to do X or Y or, you know, are there any kind of blind spots you found or any surprises that, that you found along the way?
1: I think for me, it takes a really long time to get to know everyone as an outsider. When I first pitched VCs in 2016, 2015, uh, they were like, who is this crazy person? But over time, do not pay, built a brand. Some of them even used it like you with their own problems. And that allowed me to get to know more and more
0: people. That first time you came or went around, did you get any support or did anybody invest in you?
1: Not really, actually. Um, I mean, in 2015, early 2016, I got a lot of rejections, even from funds that ultimately invested years later.
0: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And was there one person or one kind of fund or organization that really kind of helped put you on the map or helped kind of give you that first injection of capital or that first kind of validation that other other people could look to and be like, mm, maybe we should have another look?
1: Yes, I think so. In July of 2016, uh, Andreessen Horowitz invested a million in a pre-seed round. And that's what made it for me because before that, it was just a side project to help my friends. I did it out of personal justice, a personal mission to fight the government. I never really could have imagined that it would be a business. And their investment and guidance led me to believe that I could actually make this into a business.
0: And you're also investing personally now in other stuff.
1: That's right. Uh, Just two weeks ago, I closed a small $2 million pre-seed round to help really early stage founders.
0: So can you explain how that works? Because obviously, so you came out here, you're studying, you have this thing that you started in the UK. You're studying at Stanford. You're gradually building it up. You get some investment. You start building this company, but you're still... In your early 20s, you don't have a ton of money. How do you get from that point to actually I'm going to raise my own fund and become an investor myself and other things? like. How does that work?
1: Um, so, one thing that you mentioned earlier in the conversation that I graduated from Stanford, I didn't actually graduate from Stanford. I took. You so- didn't? I-, I was very close, but I haven't actually graduated.
0: So, how, what do your parents think about that? Because for those who don't know, I, I actually interviewed your father as well for a thing we did in the Sunday Times Magazine. Your father is, of course, very famous, Bill Browder of Hermitage. Is it Hermitage Capital? That's right. And he's been uh, fighting for justice from his former, for, for his former partner, Sergei Magnitsky, who was killed in Russia and making great progress on that. But one of the things he said is he really wanted you to graduate. And he is a formidable person. So how did that go down?
1: Well, I can graduate one day. <laughs> I'm, I'm so close, especially, the, especially these days. I mean, I'm not doing it now, but it, it's like two hours on Zoom and I get, I get the piece of paper. But I'm focused on do not pay and my fun full-time at the moment. Anyway, the reason I brought it up was because um, I took this uh, fellowship. It's called the Teal Fellowship, where Peter Teal oh, yes. pays people $100,000 to graduate. And I, I
0: live a very frugal life. Or to not graduate, right? To
1: Sorry, to not graduate. Yeah, to drop out. And I live a very frugal life. My day consists of walking to the Do Not Pay office, maybe ha- working with my team or on Zoom, having some McDonald's and going home and repeating it over, I love what I do and don't really do anything else. And so the reason I mentioned that is I got this 100K and I didn't really know what to do with it. I certainly didn't have any lifestyle expenses. And so I thought I'm just going to invest it in other Teal Fellows and my friends. Mm. And I started writing these 10K checks to uh, Stanford founders, Teal Fellowship founders, some of my friends from the Bay Area super early stage, like the Josh Browder of 2015, 2016, not knowing what to do. And I I thought I could help them. So I invested. And I actually did really well with my 100k. It's about 400k now of illiquid gains in these startups. Wow, that was great. But I ran out of money. It's all on paper. And so I thought I'm gonna raise a small fund to continue my investing.
0: And so do you go to other wealthy people to say, Hey, I feel like I have a nose for people like me, give me some of this money and we can kind of invest this together in a partnership kind of thing.
1: Yeah. What I did was I looked in the um, my co-investors uh, with the Teal Fellowship or my downstream investors. So I invested in this one company called Luminous Computing. It's like a chip mm-hmm. startup. And I invested in it uh, a below a 10 million valuation. And now it's 250 plus. And Bill Gates actually came in much later than I did. And so I went to lots of investors who came in later and I said, Look, I can find these things. Do you want to invest in my fund?
0: Cool. You invested in an early stage semiconductor company. That feels risky.
1: Yeah, I think uh, it was an AI company. Uh, So my biggest holdings in life are obviously in the consumer space with Do Not Pay. And so I try and diversify. And actually, all my investments are mainly in enterprise. There is a few consumer, but enterprise and deep tech.
0: Right. But the the point of this $2 million fund is to basically write small checks in people who were like you five years ago, basically. That's right. And is that usually here in the Bay Area? Or is that back in the UK? Or is it all over the place?
1: I think legally, it has to be anywhere in the US. I'm not sure I can do right. the English
0: ones. And I'm curious, because also, when we've spoken before, you you were really enthusiastic about being out here and what that has done for your ability to well to really to grow the company and to kind of make it into something very big and global etc do you still feel that way especially as you know it's very fashionable these days to talk about COVID has changed everything everybody's working from home decentralized office decentralized everything Silicon Valley's kind of you know its primacy is not going to be what it once was because people don't need to be here anymore I strongly
1: disagree with that. uh, And that might be a controversial opinion. I think that the people making that argument are the people who already have all the connections and the meetings and the friendships from the Bay Area. Right. But I think that the Bay Area is certainly still the place to be. And I have no plan on moving, even though I'm not there now. I actually signed a four year lease in June for do not pay. And so I'm going to stay for the longer term.
0: Where is this? uh, Where's the lease? Is it in San Francisco or somewhere else?
1: It's on Townsend Street in San Francisco, which is actually the number one parking ticket street in SF.
0: Was that intentional?
1: No, no, it's not. It's just a
0: coincidence. <laughs> 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 and in terms of what you do, I mean, you, you say it's, it's a bot to build a bot. Is it, is it actually artificial intelligence or is it really just really clever software where you can build other software? I'm just trying to get a sense of like, you know, what you're able to do today that you might not have been able to do when you started. So the basic do not pay is
1: just a bunch of rules. Yeah, It's not like an AI machine. And that's what the law is. I like to think of the law as like society's operating system. And if there is too much subjective nature, that just goes to show how unfair it is. So it's actually just rules. With that said, we are working on some more AI products at the moment. The biggest thing we're working on is actually making do not pay push versus pull. So what I mean by that is right now, a lot of people come to do not pay with a problem, like you come to do not pay with your parking ticket. But what we want to do is actually go to our customers and say, uh, we found this savings for you automatically. And we've done this case in the background. And for that, it's more sophisticated.
0: Right. And are, is this available now in the UK? I think last time it, it wasn't or was had limited availability?
1: Yes, it's fully available in the UK. Our most popular product is the free trial credit card, which is like this virtual credit card that you can use for any free trial and uh, it cancels it for you.
0: Sorry, explain that.
1: So, um, the biggest scam I think are free trials where these companies rope you in and then you forget to cancel, or sometimes it's so hard to cancel and they keep billing you every month, especially gyms, which might cost $20, $30 a month. Anyway, what we've built is a credit card that's not in your name, it's in Do Not Pay's name that you can use for any free trial. And when the trial comes to new. We will stop them from charging the card. And even if we fail to stop them, it's our card, not yours. So you don't have to worry.
0: But that's interesting. So it's in Do Not Pay's name, but say sign up to whatever, Crunch Fitness on this promotional deal. If it's in your name, but I'm signing up, when I show up, are they like, hello, Mr. Do Not Pay? I mean, is it actually truly in your name, or is it just you've got, a, you've set up all the machinery and you kind of administer it?
1: So you, you can use your name as the cardholder name field, but secretly it's in our name. We control it and we're, we're responsible for it.
0: Oh, interesting. I must confess, I didn't think gyms were such a, um, a consumer scourge, but it seems like uh, you've zeroed in on them in particular, along with the airlines, which makes more sense or is at least more, more obvious. The problem with gyms is almost every gym,
1: the only way to cancel is either you show up in person, which people can't do at the moment because they might get sick, yeah. or you have to send a registered mail legal letter, which is ridiculous, and when that's how Do Not Pay does it for you.
0: I see. I see. And are there any other kind of, because that's a really interesting little factoid, are there any others that immediately come to mind of like, oh, this is a little hack that this industry does or this company does that helps them make a lot of money that you wouldn't necessarily think of?
1: So the industries that get the most scrutiny tend to be consumer-friendly. But mm. what we found is the adult industry and all of the shady stuff, they're just completely ripping off consumers. And actually, going back to the free trial card, that's our most popular set of free trials, these adult services, because people are so ashamed... You mean
0: like, por- like pornography sites? Yeah,
1: that's right. People are so ashamed to complain about exercising their legal rights, or even phoning up their credit card company, that they know that they can rip off consumers. But it's actually the biggest area that we see as growing in terms of grievances.
0: Really? That's interesting. Because I'm always wondered, I mean, I've always been fascinated by this industry online, which obviously everything is free online, but it still seems to be booming in terms of a business. And you're always kind of like, who's actually paying for this stuff? But maybe that's the answer
1: adult free trials are five times more popular than Netflix.
0: By what uh, metric? Uh, uh,
1: on the do not pay free trial card. Really? Yes.
0: That is fascinating. I see. You've given me a couple of good little factoids I can throw at friends now. That's, that's quite extraordinary. Are there any others that immediately jump to mind? Well, I would say that the average hold time for companies, it's actually gotten slightly
1: better in the past two weeks. But uh, before the last two weeks, it was like six hours for like airlines, certain airlines, things like that. Sick, at, the, at the height of COVID, when everyone was canceling their flights, if you couldn't get through to Delta. Oh
0: my goodness. But that just feels like maybe perhaps I'm going to be charitable here. They were just overwhelmed. There was a lot happening. Or do you think it was more nefarious than that?
1: I think that it was definitely more nefarious than that. They issued, uh, I think United announced they issued a billion dollars in refunds, and they lose so much money that they have to do something to stop it. Otherwise, they don't exist uh, in a week's time. Yeah. The final thing I would say is on the government side, opening hours for websites. So if you have an automated government website, it's closed mm-hmm. in the evening, which makes no sense. I thought the whole point of the internet is that it's 24-7. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so has this, I mean, from our past interviews, I know that, you know, helping people and this idea of justice is important to you, but has this made you even more cynical the more you kind of dive into these nooks and crannies of all these different businesses and realize what's kind of happening behind the curtain?
1: Yeah, I'm unfortunately getting more cynical every day. And what I'm seeing is, is actually in some areas, it's becoming less consumer friendly. So one last example, if you're on the Hulu website and you have a free trial with Hulu and you cancel your free trial, they cut you off immediately, even if you have 10 days left on the free trial. And that's been a very recent change in the past two months just to rip off people even more because then then the consumer thinks, okay, well, I'll give it a few more days and then they forget.
0: Right. Well, it is interesting. I was talking to somebody at the beginning of the COVID thing and it, they said something to the effect of like, we're about to see, you know, what people are really all about or what society is really all about. Because it's, it is a little bit every man for himself when every company is hemorrhaging money and doing really poorly and just trying to kind of keep their head above water, whether individuals or companies or whatever. And it sounds like that's what you're seeing up close and personal.
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: And then going back to the company itself, you've raised $15 million. You still only have 10 people. That feels like a very conservative, given that you have a decent amount of cash now.
1: Yeah, so we're actually break even, so we're not a money losing company anymore. Um, our seventy five thousand wow. subscribers pay, and we don't uh, use, do any marketing spend. So it's just people searching on Google and also some media articles, and that gets us our new customers. And I think that do not pay is not the typical startup. I want to make sure it lasts a hundred years, and um, I don't want to like gamble everything by buying billboards in San Francisco, which is very popular. Or just spending it all on Facebook ads.
0: So you don't advertise at all? No, we don't. Have you ever been encouraged to do that? Because obviously, I mean, everybody here is about, you know, spend like a drunken sailor to kind of get quote unquote scale and then worry about making money later. Feels like you're taking the opposite approach. And I imagine there must have been, especially now that you have people with real skin in the game, uh, real money in the company, there must be some pressure to take a different tack, no?
1: Well, the, the good news is we are growing at venture rates, even without the spending. And so keeping it under control is much more important for us. And we do do lots of like tactics to get customers that are free. So if you go on Do Not Pay's website, every month we publish 400 guides on how to sue Equifax, how to sue United. And the guides have... Um, buttons everywhere saying let do not pay do it for you so lots of people stumble across these guides and then they come to do not pay
0: right is there anything that uh any one kind of lesson you've learned since we last spoke about do's or do not do not (laughs) do's in terms of building a business especially one you're trying to like you know make into something as you say it lasts 100 years
1: i wish i just uh had a business model from day one maybe it would have only taken two years instead of five years right
0: So have a business model.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which seems obvious, but I guess in the bubble of Silicon Valley, it wasn't at the time. I don't even know what I told you our business model was when I was on your show last.
0: I'll have to go back and listen to it. I can't remember. I just remember the one thing that stuck with me is that you saying like resolutely, this will always be free to everyone. I I just hope Um... you don't pull a clip of that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, cool. I think those are all my questions. I've been watching from afar as uh, and seeing the kind of the various news pieces that bubble up. And um, yeah, it sounds like it's uh,
1: you're having a good time. Yeah, we are. We have a list of 50 different products that we want to build. And we keep refreshing the list. And so the work never ends.
0: And is there any one that people will be, do you think people will be like, yes, I'm definitely going to use this? Like one of those things that annoys everybody or everybody has lost some money on? One of the biggest things that we've
1: been working on, we launched in January fighting, suing robocallers. And we've actually had users win $12,000 settlements with their $3 a month do not pay subscription. So that's been good. Uh, And last week we expanded it to spam texts as well, which is also a huge problem. And I think especially in the election season, it's just going to go crazy
0: just uh, before i let you go why would i be entitled to money from a robocaller because usually i get robocalls all the time now in a way that i never did in the uk it's very different but here i get them you know multiple sometimes multiple a day but i just hang up on them is it you get are you getting compensation if you kind of follow through and hand over some kind of information as opposed to or pay for something you didn't want to no. So there's something called the Telephone Consumer Protection Act in the
1: US. And what the act says is if you're on the federal do not call list, which will do not pay will register you for if you're not already on it, um, you can get up to $1,500 per call. They can't call you. And if they do, that you they owe you $1,500. And there have been these settlements like with companies owing billions and billions from robocalls. But you can also do this on an individual level through small claims court. And what's interesting is that Um, Out of all Do Not Pay cases, these robo-calling companies are most likely to settle. So sometimes it won't even go to court because what they're worried Mm -hmm. about is losing 10 million from the many calls that they're doing. They don't really care about one or two.
0: Oh, interesting. Well, I'm going to have to get my name on that list then. I'm going to have to kind of log back on. It's called Do Not Pay Robo Revenge. (laughs) That's very catchy. Well, look, uh, thank you for taking the time and uh, enjoy your... um, kind of retreat in your undisclosed location and uh, i look forward to kind of continuing to follow the story thank you so much and that is all the time we have i want to thank josh for taking the time to speak i want to thank you for taking the time to listen and of course for dropping everything you're doing to give a rating and review to the podcast, which of course keeps us high in the rankings and let, helps other people find the show, which is a good thing. But anyhow, thank you for spreading the love. I really appreciate it. We'll be writing about, oh gosh, I don't know what, there's so much happening with TikTok and the fires and everything else. Um, there's kind of almost too much going on, but I'll be writing in the paper this weekend at the Times.co.uk. You can find me on Twitter at Danny Fortson, or you can email me at danny.fortson at sunday-times.co.uk. Have a good weekend, be safe, and we will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.